0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all. This is Robert Rogers. I'm the founder of Parkinson's Recovery, founded in 2004, now over a decade of wonderful service to individuals and their families who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease The mission of Parkinson's Recovery is to provide information, resources, and support to all persons who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. I've had a wide net open now for over a decade on the search for therapies and options that people can consider that will provide the opportunity to see a reversal in symptoms. We've had amazing success in our discoveries with interviews with experts across the globe, individuals who have discovered ways that can help individuals find incredible relief from their symptoms. I believe this program today will probably be one, if not the most important program that I've ever aired here on the Parkinson's Recovery radio show. Now, why do I say that? I've had the honor of offering hundreds and hundreds of consultations and coaching sessions and intimate conversations with individuals who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. I have to say, I think I know a great deal more about the factors that impact the symptoms that really than really any other healthcare practitioner. Most practitioners only have the opportunity to spend 10, at most, 15 minutes with each of their patients. Well, my audience are not patients. They're individuals that I connect with. And, of course, the interest that I've always held deep in the heart of my soul is to find what it is that lies at the core of what's driving the symptoms. My mother experienced Parkinson's symptoms that were quite debilitating, She ultimately died of a horrible stroke that put her into a coma for a couple of months. The stroke was actually caused by a multitude of medications that mom was taking, not just for Parkinson's symptoms but for many other conditions. So I decided to dedicate as my uh, agenda as a researcher Uh, the focus of figuring out what it really takes to find ways to reverse these symptoms. And, of course, it's one of the most formidable agendas for a researcher since uh, Parkinson's symptoms are truly problematic and multifaceted. What I've discovered is in these hundreds and hundreds of contacts and interviews and sessions with individuals is that An estimate would be 99% of the individuals that I have worked with closely do not acknowledge the most formidable roadblock to recovery. I'll say that again, 99%. In other words, about 1% or 2% of the individuals that I have closely connected with, I think, do really appreciate what lies at the foundation of their symptoms, but most people don't. And when people have heard me discuss this issue, oftentimes I think it's cast aside as just sheer speculation. Well, I'd like to say I don't believe that it comes anywhere near to being speculative. From all of the work that I've done, I'm now sure that this really lies at the foundation, not for 100%. Of individuals, but I think for a vast majority, at least 85%, uh, if not 90% of individuals, this really lies at the foundation of what is causing the symptoms that they currently experience. So what I'd like to do by way of introducing this secret to the roadblock, which is the introduction to my program, is to offer you a number of different vignettes that are summaries of some of what I've heard individuals tell me. Now, this is not a report of any one individual, but it's a summary of many, many different reports that fall basically into into the very same category. So this is the way the discussions typically go. I've talked with individual for about 50 minutes and we have covered the possibility of supplements that they might want to talk with their doctor about. We've discussed issues of exercise, of perhaps toxic substances that they might be exposed to in the form of hair dyes or soaps or shampoos or laundry detergents. We've talked about electromagnetic pollution. We've talked about a reversal of the spin of their electrons in their body, we probably covered a number of different fascinating subjects. I can hear in the person's voice an underlying sense of extreme anxiety and stress and so I'm thinking throughout this conversation, first of all, I want to make sure that I answer and address all of their concerns. But second of all, I become more and more curious the longer I spend with them about what lies at the foundation of their issue. So when we have time in these consultations and when I've answered all of the questions that have been raised, I'll typically say to the person, well, what do you suppose lies at the foundation of your symptoms? And the person will say, well, I really don't have any idea whatsoever. I don't have a clue. Don't you know? Uh, I suspect that it was just some kind of deficiency of dopamine. So then I will basically say, well, what about trauma in your life? Does that resonate with you at all? The person then will respond with, well, let me think back, well, Uh, I can't say there's really been anything of any consequence. Uh, uh, My mother died about eight years ago. My father died about three years ago. I was very saddened about that, but uh, they were 85 and 90, and um, they had a wonderful life. Um, I've had uh, five children. They're all adults now, and they live productive lives. Um, We live a reasonably comfortable life. I can't think of really anything in my childhood that uh, would have been a factor. So I'm patiently listening and waiting for any indication of perhaps an event that might signal the reason why the person has such extreme anxiety and stress. I can hear it in their voice. I know it's there, but I just can't quite figure out I wonder what the origin of that is. So when the person goes through everything that they can remember in their life, oftentimes I'll then move to the next possibility. So with the person then I might say, well, and now we're about at the 58-minute mark of about an hour session. I'll then say, well, perhaps there's something that might have happened in your family system that might account for uh, a lot of trauma, that a residue of trauma that you currently carry in your life. <clears throat> Long silence. And then what the person reports back is, oh, well, all members of my family died in the Holocaust. I take a big gulp and wipe the tears off of my face. And I basically say to that individual, well, there it is. That's the reason. Let me go to the second kind of an example, and so you can get some flavor of the possible origins of trauma that actually might be the case in your own personal life. A person reports that their symptoms emerged about two and a half years ago, and they explain what the symptoms are. I'll then ask the question, tell me what was happening approximately six months or so before the first symptoms actually presented themselves. And here's, again, this is a prototype of the answer. Well, let me think back. Um, My mother and my father died actually about the same time. My mother first, and then my father died uh, about three weeks later. I got a divorce at the same time. I moved, and my dog died. Another big silence for me as I take a big breath, and, of course, I have to say to the person, Oh, my, the extent of all of that is overwhelming for any person. You have certainly been... The victim of extreme and persistent trauma. Now, I then might, if we have time, I might then pursue with the question: <clears throat> Well, have you had the opportunity to uh, work on releasing <clears throat> the trauma that you experienced? <clears throat> and the person will say, uh, "Well, I've taken macuna. I see an acupuncturist. I've received a massage, meditation." Of course, I take uh, sentiment, uh, which certainly helps on the on times. I do regular exercise. I walk all the time. I have a bridge club that I meet, and I really love uh, about my most favorite hobby, which is writing. And then more specifically, I will say, so what about specific uh, intentions to help release the trauma? And the person will basically say, well, That's about it. Uh, I'm just hoping I can be able to make some progress when I meditate. But no specific intention of being able to help release the enormous stress and trauma that was experienced from the combination of parents who died at the same time, a divorce, a move, and also an animal that was dearly loved who died. Uh, Case number three. A person um, uh, explains to me uh, their life history and their symptoms, and I can, again, I just want to say I can hear, and I know you can hear as well, the tension and the anxiety and the embedded trauma that you can hear in a person's voice when they talk. And so we get to the end of answering all their questions, and they form a strategy of how they might want to proceed in their program of recovery. So we've done the business that we really needed to do. There's still time. And so I ask my question that I suppose nobody likes to hear, and that is, well, what about trauma in your life? Has there been any, anything of any significance? And so the person will report back, well, no, no, not for me. That doesn't really apply. Uh, had wonderful parents, wonderful childhood. Uh, we um, had incredible experiences with travel across uh, the United States and Europe uh, every year. Um, and now I, 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 I have a wonderful family. Um, I love my husband. Uh, we have several children. And basically, no, I can't think of anything really that would resonate with uh, trauma. And I'll pause and wonder, well, I wonder if anything is coming up. And then the person will say, oh, well, uh, shortly before my symptoms emerged, uh, my closest and dearest friend from grammar school died of leukemia. Oh. And then I'll pause with a long silence, and the person will then follow up with, Oh, uh, and that's right, uh, my sister uh actually died of a horrible motorcycle accident when she was 16. There it is. That's the trauma that triggered the symptoms. Here's another example. Uh, I'm talking with the person, and again, we address all the issues of of supplements and ways, therapies that they can pursue, which are important to consider because they really do provide a reversal of symptoms. But here we're talking about, well, how do you get at the core reason why the symptoms exist? And the person will say, uh, well, in terms of trauma, and of course, when we talk about trauma, we're talking about physical traumas, We're talking about emotional traumas. We're talking about mental traumas. So it's a pretty large category. And so I'll say to the person, what about traumas in your life? And they'll say, no, there's been nothing uh, of any consequence emotionally. I've led a pretty good and solid and and comfortable life until the symptoms emerged uh, six years ago. Pause. And they'll say, well... um, Boy, about eight years ago, I was in a very serious automobile accident. Uh, The doctors said that I almost died, um, and uh, apparently they had to really patch my head back together. Well, folks, there it is. There's no doubt about it that that clearly was a precursor to the neurological challenges that they actually experience. And by the way, as an aside, for those of you who have had physical accidents, whether they were from falls or riding on motorcycles or basically stepping off of a curb and then falling by accident, what I want to really emphasize is that if you can get to a cranial sacral therapist or an energy healer as soon as possible after the accident, I think you will be amazed at the repair that can follow. What happens in accidents is there's a huge hole that is formed in the energy field. It's literally a hole. There is no energy that's flowing through the actual physical place of the accident. And so what happens is there's no energy running through there. The body begins to really begin to crumble. Uh, Bones break and fracture, and muscles begin to go haywire. So if you can, as soon as possible after a physical accident, get some energy work done, uh, I think you'll be amazed at uh, how quickly your physical body can repair. Most people don't do that, of course, they, and they need to. They go to the hospital and they get sewn up or they get the bones that are put back into place, which needs to happen, Uh, but they don't go to the next step, which is to get some relief from that physical trauma what also happens in accidents is that there's inevitably whiplash. Whiplash winds up disconnecting the connection of the main controlling organs of the body, the pituitary and the hypothalamus, with for example, the thyroid and the other organs, which means that the body does not even recognize what's out of balance. The body doesn't recognize the heavy metals or the bacterial infections or anything else really that's seriously wrong. So you've got to heal the whiplash if you want to get your body back up and running and functioning as it was intended and designed to function. So physical accidents can have a profound impact on the neurological system. Uh, Example number five, and again, this is not about any one individual, none of these are. These are just composites of the many stories that I've actually heard. Person says, well, I was involved in a very high exposure court case, lots of money. We're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that went on for several years. And in this particular uh, case, I was the expert witness It was a horrible experience. My reputation was tarnished. Uh, My expertise was challenged. The lawyers uh, ferociously attacked my integrity day in and day out because my uh, testimony uh, was critical to the final decision that was actually reached. And then, of course, shortly after the conclusion of the case, which in fact this uh, particular person won uh, for their client, uh the symptoms of parkinson's disease emerged next example uh this person basically explains lots of ways where they happen to be claustrophobic in other words they can't tolerate any particular situation where they are closed into a space in fact they can't even ride in the back seat of a car and of course then what oftentimes I'll hear is the question, well, do you think this might have anything at all to do with my Parkinson's symptoms? And my response in all such questions like that is, there it is. Another example. Well, in terms of trauma, after I ask that question, the person will say, um, not really. Uh, there hasn't been very much at all. Um Uh, Of course, my parents did die in a car accident when I was six years old. I mean, I was so young, I don't really remember much about it. Uh, But uh, I was in the back seat. And again, that's one of those situations where I have to take a long breath and pause and wipe the tears off my cheeks and then begin to recompose myself so that I can attempt to explain to the person that, my suspicion is that is a significant trauma that needs to be released, a trauma that has been embedded at the cellular level for this particular person. Now I might also add what happens with trauma is that there is often the identity of something that the person is eating or recently ate or is exposed to at the time of the trauma. So, for example, in this particular case, if we really investigated it closely, it's very possible that what we would discover is that the child in the back seat who was six years old was eating peanuts at the time of the car accident. That's a child who will have a life-threatening allergy to peanuts because of the connection of the trauma to the death of their parents in that car accident. So a lot of people think of allergies as something that's just physical. You know, your body is just responding to something that it has an animosity to. But in most cases, allergies are actually connections of trauma. So there may be a smell uh, that something is, is, uh, is affiliated with a past trauma, Of course, much of this is not conscious, so you're not really aware that the smell is triggering a trauma or a sound can trigger a memory of a past trauma. So it's not that you're actually aware that's what's happening, but if, for example, you are sitting in a restaurant and having a wonderful time with your family and all of a sudden you begin to have some really exaggeration of your symptoms just coming out of the blue, Well, it's very possible that something that's happening in that situation is triggering the symptoms to flare because there is an association of a past trauma. It may be the music that is playing in the restaurant at the time. It may be a person who is sitting in a table nearby who remind you of somebody who is, again, connected to a trauma, perhaps somebody who was abusive to you, either physically or mentally. It could be a smell in the restaurant. It could be something that someone said in the conversation all of a sudden triggers the emotional implant of a past trauma. Now let me go to a final synopsis of the kind of discussions that I have with uh, individuals. Um, I'm talking with an individual, and again, if I could just stress, uh, we talk about many important topics in terms of what they can do to find relief from their symptoms, but again, I can hear in their voice this enduring and persistent and profound stress that I'm guessing must be tied to a trauma in their life from somewhere. So again, if there's time, uh, I'll always ask the question that I think is not very welcome, well, what about trauma in your life? And so uh, the person will pause, and I think there's probably a bit of resentment that I ask the question, and they'll say, no, no, there's absolutely nothing that's happened in in my life that I can think of. And then I'll press it with, well, what about physical accidents? No, no, nothing like that's ever happened. No chronic illnesses. I've been healthy my whole life, no accidents. Uh, And so no emotional issues that you can think of that occurred. And, again, the person is, is very clear that, Nothing whatsoever has ever really happened. So because I'm because I'm just dog-eared and, and persistent and I'm thinking, gosh, there's got to be something there. There's got to be a trauma that lies at the foundation of this person's symptoms. And so then I'll go back further and I'll say, how about your birth? Was that an easy birth? The person will then say, well, uh, yeah, my mother did say it was a cesarean birth. And I'm thinking, okay, well, and I'll tell the person, well, cesarean births for a child are very, very traumatic. So that clearly would have been a source of trauma for you. That certainly is not a memory that you have because you were so little, but I can assure you that the experience is embedded at the cellular level in your body. And then I'll go back further with this person because I'm thinking, well, that's probably going to be an explanation that doesn't fly. And I'll say, well, how about when you were in embryo, when you were being formed during that nine months in your mother's womb, what was happening in your family system? What was happening with your mom? And the response is, well, uh, as I understand it, my father was serving in Vietnam, and um uh, and he was pretty seriously injured, I think, right when I was in an embryo and um and when he came back, uh, he had lost his leg, and again, there's a big pause from me and a big breath in and out so that I can collect myself, and then I really have to respond with, "Well, think of the impact." that had on your mother and, of course, the impact that your mother had on you as you were growing inside her womb. So there are many experiences that we have uh, that may not be memorable, and we don't acknowledge them as being of any consequence whatsoever. But I can assure you that especially for a, a child at the tender age of two months an embryo or perhaps three or four or five years old the experiences that I've just reflected on have serious and profound consequences on the energetic viability of uh, the human energy field and no it doesn't basically affect the the field oftentimes in the early stages of life but as we get older and as we age that really does have a profound impact. Now, I also hear many stories from individuals, and they follow the, this kind of template. What the person will say is, well, I've got this strange issue where sometimes my symptoms are always worse when I, and then again, it depends on the person, but they might say, well, when I'm in the grocery store or they're always worse when I am at work or the symptoms are just always worse when I am at home. And so what I'm always curious about is, hmm, okay, so if the symptoms are always worse at home, what is it at home that is triggering past traumas? Is it that there's somebody at home that basically is the source of the trauma or reminds you of the trauma? Are there some physical presences of objects like chairs or tables? Uh, Is there something uh, that also reminds you of a trauma that might have occurred at home itself? Are there smells? Are there sounds? Are there objects? Or is there just a a thick, dark energy in the home? Um, So I'm just saying to you that if you find the symptoms are worse in one situation than another, don't think it's a random consequence. It's probably the fact that being in the situation that's triggering the symptoms is basically being caused by a triggering of memories from past traumas, whether that's through the sensations of smells or hearing or just memories of something that that particular experience reminds you of. Now, let me just say, uh, comment uh, also about how we can take on the traumas of the world, the suffering of the world, and the suffering of, for example, children. I have a serious problem with being able to enter into certain stores that sell products it makes me chronically sick. Uh I get sick to my stomach and I really cannot remain in the store for very long. Now it depends on the store. One of the worst stores for me is a store that sells toys. So I go in and immediately I get sick. Uh so I'm sick from the toxins because a lot of toys are made with toxic products, but what I also want to say is I'm also sick because there's an energetic signal from much of the products that are sold of child labor. In other words, the toys were made in other countries. They were made by children who basically are being abused by adults. And so there's an energetic carry-on of anything that's made that that basically is made in a situation of trauma. So we're exposed to trauma even when we go into a public place, and you never know what energy you may actually be picking up. Now, the bottom line of all of this is the secret that I promised to reveal is what's the greatest roadblock to being able to see a complete and a fulfilling reversal of whatever symptoms you might be experiencing that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And that roadblock, I believe, after 10 years of focused work on this, is the, the inability or the refusal to acknowledge the impact that trauma has had on your life. Now, I say that from the many, many, many interviews I've had with individuals, but I want to also say, I say this from personal experience. It's not as if I am immune from this same dynamic. When my wife died unexpectedly in 1999, my life basically fell apart. I really couldn't function, I told the university, I'm sorry, I don't care if you fire me or not. I had tenure, but that didn't really matter, I think, if you don't show up. I said, look, um, I just can't do this anymore. Thankfully, they put me on a sabbatical, and I was able to have the space I needed to begin to do my own healing. Now, when I began to pursue this journey of healing to try to help be able to basically heal from the grief that I had been experiencing from her unexpected death, what I was confronted with was the challenge of releasing the own traumas in my life, and of course, most significantly, her unexpected death. And what I found myself saying was, well, wait just a minute, okay, I I can see, yes, I need to release this horrible experience from Nanette's death. And I've got to get over that in some way because I just can't continue living if I don't. But why in the world do I want to go back and in any way remember or revisit traumas that I've experienced in my early childhood or my past life? Uh, I've spent all of my adult life, in burying memories of that and in holding back and down all of those emotional experiences I think I've succeeded I can't really remember much of what happened in my childhood I don't want to bring all that up because I don't want to have to deal with it so what in the world is going on here why is it that the people that I'm working with and in this case it happened to be some very experienced energy healers at the Barbara Brennan School of Healing who were my mentors Basically, they made the point, look, the trauma is embedded at the cellular level. It can come from a very early age. It's time to get serious about releasing all of these traumas. And the good news is that you don't relive or re-experience the trauma. There are wonderful ways of basically simply setting the intention to say, I'm not going to be holding down and holding inside all of the traumas that I have seen duck-like super glue to the tissues of my body. I'm going to unstick all of this that I have glued to the tissues so that I can get on with my life. It's holding down my life force. It's draining my energy. So with that intention, you can actually pursue therapies, and there are many, many wonderful therapies that are available that will enable you to be able to do just that, to release the traumas that you've experienced throughout your lifetime. Now, in my personal case, and if you'll think back on yours, you'll probably be able to think of a number of different examples of how you, too, have been traumatized. I was a forceps birth. Well, talking about trauma, that's absolutely horrible. Was my mother there when I was born? Well, of course not. She was knocked out. I don't think I saw her until the next day as a newborn child. My parents believed children were supposed to be seen and not heard. That was their philosophy. That's what they had been taught. That's what they believed. And so whenever I was bad, they would take out that big stick and they'd whap my hand. Now, when I look back on that as an adult, I say to myself, well, it didn't hurt that much, and it was just sort of a symbol of saying you've been bad and don't do it again. But it did hurt. And it did have a traumatic impact on my physical body. And I did leave my body so that I wasn't able to process the trauma through. And that's only a few examples of traumas that I would have experienced in my childhood. I think most people can think back and realize you can't live in a body on this earth without experiencing traumas. So the question turns on, all right, gosh, what are we do about this? How do we get rid of these traumas? So notice the first thing I said was, well, the most important roadblock is to acknowledge the impact. I didn't say to release the traumas. I think that really is the most important first step is to say to yourself, all right, okay, I've always discounted all of this as being anything of any consequence. For example, perhaps you were In an accident, or perhaps you fell unexpectedly and went unconscious for five or ten minutes, you got well, and you're thinking to yourself, whew, I'm glad I'm over that. But you're not over that. Chances are there's a residue of the trauma that continues. So what does trauma really do to the neurological network? It entangles it. Trauma actually implants black holes in the neurological network. Now, how in the world can those synapses fire when along the network there's literally a black hole? It can't, or it certainly can't function normally. Trauma reprograms the neurological system so that it basically turns around in circles. There are negative feedback loops that are created. It has a profound impact on the viability of that very sensitive neurological network. Now, the next thing that I want to emphasize for everyone is when you have tremors, most people feel like, oh my God, this is horrible. My body is wearing down and breaking. My body is broken. I've got to somehow suppress what my body is doing because it doesn't know what it's doing. I think in most cases, here we're talking probably 99%, when you have a tremor, your body is doing everything it can try to do to release the trauma. That's the body's way of releasing traumas. And so when you are suppressing the tremor, what you're doing is you're burying the trauma even deeper into the cells of the body. That's what you're doing. And so obviously you're going to find that over time your trauma will persist. The tremors will get worse, even if you have viable strategies that suppress them through whatever that might be, supplements or medications or whatever strategies that you found have been useful. So tremors actually are a sign of the body's attempt to release trauma. And unless we acknowledge that and unless we facilitate that, the trauma will remain embedded. The memory of all that trauma will remain stuck in your body. When we are traumatized, we oftentimes, or if not always, stop breathing. It's a wonderful strategy because it allows us, particularly when we're young, to work through and survive the trauma, traumas that we experience, whether, again, they're emotional or physical or uh, whether they are mental. And so we stop breathing, and what happens is, well, the trauma, then all of a sudden, instead of flowing through, the emotions get stuck in our body, and they don't get unstuck until we set the intention to release all of that which has been embedded and stuck to our cells. Now, what do you really do uh, to release the trauma? And what I want to say is I've done a great deal of work in trying to provide options for people that will enable them to take responsibility for doing this work themselves. You will not see success with releasing trauma unless you set the intention to make it happen. Many people have heard that going to a Bowen therapist or going to a cranial sacral healer or going to an energy healer can make a huge difference in providing a reversal of symptoms. And the reality is that's true. If you go to any one of those types of therapists, what you will see is a temporary relief of symptoms. It's well worth going. When people see such therapists... What they will oftentimes do is they go in to their therapist. The therapist will say, "Why are you here today? What do you want to see happen and what and this may sound very familiar to you, what the person will say is, "Well, I find that I'm dragging my left foot, and the tremor in my right hand is just really driving me crazy, and I'm having problem taking my fork up to my mouth when I eat." And so the therapist said, okay, well, we've got those physical issues to address. And so they get to work on that, and they facilitate the flow of energy through the meridians of your body that will facilitate a an ability of your left leg to move more freely, a reduction in the tremor of your right hand, and the ability of you to pick up the food with your fork and move it to your mouth. In other words, through the therapies uh, that the therapists have available to them, they can really remove some of those blockages that are in the meridians of the body and really facilitate a a better ease of movement for a person who has those symptoms. So you leave and you think to yourself, wow, I I can move better, my tremor is less, and when you go to eat dinner that night, it's much easier. And so that's just absolutely wonderful. And obviously I'm saying it's well worth uh, the time and the effort to get those kinds of treatments. A couple of days later, all the symptoms are back. And you say to yourself, oh no, you know, I was so much better and now look, the symptoms are still here. All right, so what really happened here, folks? I mean, how come the it didn't take for longer than just a few days? The answer is that underneath all of it is the residue of trauma, which has not been released. Until you release the trauma, the symptoms will persist. There's no doubt about it in my mind. So my suggestion to those of you out there who are listening to my program is when you do go see your therapist, whether they are Bowen or craniosacral or energy healer or Reiki or whoever that therapist is. What I want to suggest is you think about what kinds of concerns and worries you've been having recently that are tied to traumas in your life. Perhaps you have a child who's a heroin addict and that brings up all kinds of issues of addictions in your family system. Whatever might be coming up, when the therapist says, why are you here? What do you want to work on? The intention that will give you the best and the greatest and the most rewarding results will be, you can say, I am here with you today on this day and this time to release traumas in my life. And the traumas that I want to start with are whatever it is. My child is an addict. My spouse is abusive. My memories are of the death of my sister when we were both 16. Whatever the memory is, whatever happens to be bothering you at the time, that is what is up to be released. And then get the facilitation of that therapist to help you release that trauma. Let it go. No longer allow that trauma to remain embedded at the cellular level in your body. The therapist cannot, I repeat, cannot do this for you. You are the one doing the work. And so you have to set the intention and you will drive the outcome. So releasing the traumas in your life will yield ultimately to the removal of the foundational reason why you are currently experiencing neurological symptoms. And yes, it's work that you have to do. And no, nobody else can do this for you. Nobody else can fix you. You have to take responsibility to, to do it yourself. And no, it doesn't happen with one session. It is a lifetime journey, not only for you, but everyone that is currently in a body. You can take all of the wonderful supplements and all of the wonderful medicines that are available out there that pharmaceutical industry and science and practitioners have available. You can exercise two times a day. You can meditate throughout the day. And all of this will make a difference. All of this will provide relief. You can adopt a mindfulness Practice so that you get better and better at living in the moment rather than agonizing over the past or worrying about the future. And all of that will provide a facilitation of a reversal of your symptoms. All that will make a difference. There's no doubt about it. But if you are serious about seeing a complete reversal of symptoms, what you're going to have to do is to set the intention to release trauma. And until you do that, you're not going to see a full and complete recovery. That really is what in, in is a showstopper. It is the roadblock that is going to impede your ultimate success with being able to see a complete and an enduring reversal of your own symptoms. Now, I've really actually only talked so far about what we might say would be the memories of traumas. There are also powerful and compelling traumas that are unconscious that arise out of your family system. And so that's another source of a trauma that winds up being even trickier and more cumbersome to be able to not only identify, but once it is identified, it can be easily released. So entanglements in family systems are also sources of traumas. Many people discount their influence, but I am here to tell you they are powerful. They affect not only us, but they affect our children, our grandchildren, and all of the generations to follow us unless we set the intention to identify those entanglements and then release them. This work is called Family Constellation Work. It's work that I've done now for about 15 years as a facilitator, It's amazing work, I must say, and it can provide profound releases of traumas that have been embedded unconsciously into your own physical body. Now, you might say, okay, wow, this is a lot to take in. So there are traumas, some of them, of course, I know about, but some of them I don't even know about. We take on a disease, we take on a debilitating condition out of love from a parent or a grandparent or a loved one and it's not even conscious. We might not even know that that ancestor had a debilitating disease. So these dynamics are not only powerful, they are mysterious. Now. We are, for the first time in five years, providing an opportunity for people to be able to identify and release traumas, not only the traumas that are physical and mental and emotional that you might have experienced over your lifetime, but the traumas that are residues of entanglements in family systems. We are doing this again. It's the first event that we've sponsored in five years at the Alderbrook Resort in Washington State. It's about a one-hour ferry ride from Seattle, Washington, and then a short drive down to the resort. The dates are November first through third, so it's a, it's a basically a two and a half day event where we facilitate the release of traumas. We provide you with the tools and techniques and skills to be able to make releases of trauma possible for you over the course of your entire life. It is truly a transformative experience. Now, I just need to make sure everyone knows that the hotel will basically provide the discount rate for people who will be attending the Alderbrook Jump Start to Recovery program uh, uh, until uh, the middle of October, so we've only got about 10 more days. And then the low rate of $109 a night is released, and apparently they'll jump that out up to about $175 a night So if you're interested in attending, be sure to sign up now so that you do not lose that great hotel rate. People who are attending the Alderbrook program are coming from Arizona, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Missouri, North Carolina, and uh, Washington State. So people are coming from across the United States And so I encourage you, if you are convinced, as I have tried to convince you of, that trauma is something that is problematic for you and is provoking and causing the symptoms that you currently experience. And if you're interested in finding ways to release that trauma, we will provide the support that you need at the Alderbrook Program. It is what Deborah Russell, the masterful multi-dimensional healer is expert at. I don't know anyone in the universe that is better than her at being able to make this possible. And of course, I too happen to be an expert at being able to facilitate the release of traumas that people have experienced over their lifetime. So that's the focus of what we will be doing. We will help you transform your thought forms as well. But the key focus of the program is to address the foundational reason that winds up driving and aggravating the neurological system and creating very, very severe discomfort for many, many individuals. It is work that we do not do for you or to you. It is work that you do yourself. So we facilitate what it is that you will make happen and you will make possible. You are the one who is in charge of the work that you will experience at the Alderbrook program. So we don't do it very often, folks, and I I say that because, as I've already said in the beginning, not very many people really realize the impact that trauma has on the neurological system. Once the trauma is released and all of a sudden you're not experiencing the high levels of stress and anxiety that are provoking the symptoms, so it has a profound impact on being able to help you recover and find compelling relief from whatever symptoms you are experiencing. So my summary for you is that at the core of everything winds up being trauma that is embedded. Another option that I want to make sure everyone knows about is the free Jump Start to Recovery Crash Course. I spent a great deal of time in in basically... uh, making videos of four different methods that you can use yourself at home that will enable you to gently, day in and day out, find some release of the traumas that you've experienced. In other words, that pressure valve that is set on so high that's creating such compaction in your body, such stress, will all of a sudden be released little by little. So it's free. Uh, There are videos that I have aired that explain these techniques. They are tried and true. They do work, but they only work when you set the intention to, first of all, acknowledge that traumas are at the core of what's happening in your life and to set the intention to release them. So I invite you to basically register for the free CRASH course It provides you with some marvelous tools that I think you will find will provide profound relief from symptoms that you are experiencing. So take advantage of both of those opportunities. Come and and, and join us at the Alderbrook program. I think you will find that the experience there will be transformative. And not only will you find more immediate relief and feel far, far, calmer, more centered as a result of those experiences, but you will have the skills and the techniques and the tools to use so that when stress rears its ugly head and creates awful problems with symptoms, you'll know what to do. You'll know how to release the trauma that is basically underneath the reason why the stress is occurring. So I believe in the end, and there's no doubt in my mind, that stress really is where it is at. And I want to say again, this was my comment at the very beginning of my program today, I don't think that people generally realize the impact of trauma, and they're not taking the release of trauma seriously. The fear is that if you begin to set that intention, you're just going to re-traumatize yourself. Now, it's possible with some therapists who are not well-trained or well-skilled that that could happen. But in most cases, when you set that intention to release it, that is what happens. All you want is for those embedded emotions to flow through and be released so that you are no longer drawn down and dragged down by experiences that you have had in the past whether recently or as a child or in birth or in embryo all of that has had a profound impact on your neurological system now Deborah just mentioned to me uh Last night when we were eating, she looked at me and she said, you know, I think if you had not done all of the healing work that you have done over the last 15 years, that you would have the symptoms of Parkinson's just like your mother. And I have to say, I think that's right. I think I, too, would be experiencing those symptoms because the traumas that I've experienced in my life, especially as a child, have been extensive. And I also believe that it's not just the past traumas it's the traumas that we experience today and into the future so it's important to develop a cadre of skills and approaches for being able to release the traumas that we experience today in the future and of course also in the past there's no way to get around it it's a traumatic world and if you turn on the tv at night and watch the news you are traumatized. If you go into a store where products are sold that are made by child labor, you are unconsciously traumatized by literally being exposed to that energy. And of course, the toxic substances that are used to make those products will also traumatize you as well. Now, in the end... The key is that these traumas are oftentimes connected to why you're not able to get rid of heavy metals or toxins or, get this, live little critters that are in your body. I'm going to give you one example. There are hundreds and hundreds out there that are applicable, but maybe this will resonate with a few of you. Perhaps as a child, you experienced severe invasion. Let's say, for example, that your mother and your father made it a habit of going into your room to look in your drawers to see if perhaps there might be drugs that were hidden in the back of a drawer to see what you were sneaking around doing. And so when you got home from school, you noticed that, oh, my goodness, I think uh, somebody's been rummaging around my room. At nighttime, when you are sleeping, who do you find is all of a sudden crawling in bed with you but your mother? And so what you find over the course of your life is that you are subjected to being invaded personally day in and day out. All right, what's likely to be the issue as you begin to age? Well, the issue is likely to be the invasion of parasites. So parasites are basically something that are invasive into the body. Well, what's the big deal with parasites? Well, parasites just like bacteria or just like heavy metals will wreak havoc with the neurological system. So, how are you going to get rid of the parasites? Well, you can certainly there are many different medical strategies that can be used. There's some lotions, some herbal applications. Uh, There are some bioenergetic kinds of homeopathic remedies that are possible, but in the end, it's just like tremors or just like mobility challenges. You're not going to be successful with getting rid of those particular critters that are invading your body, those parasites, until you release the traumas of invasion that you experienced as a child. They are inextricably linked. So you can go to all the medical doctors you want to, You can get all the treatments you want to. You can see the best, the famous, the most prestigious people who are medical care professionals in the universe. You can travel to Great Britain, to Japan, to Germany, to France, to Canada, to New York, to San Francisco, to see medical people who are known to be the experts in basically treating whether it's parasites or Lyme disease or other kinds of infections. And you can get the best medical treatments. But in the end, my research reveals that you're still not going to succeed in addressing that as a cause because underneath that, the driving energy that fuels the parasites, that fuels, in this case, the Lyme disease, winds up being, in my example, invasion. Or for those of you that might have Lyme infections, the underlying emotion that's trapped at the cellular level, many researchers believe, winds up being abuse. So people who have Lyme, if you'll go back into your life, you'll oftentimes see evidence of abuse, whether emotional, physical, or mental. So basically, that's my argument for you. It's, I think, probably the most important program I've ever aired here on Parkinson's Recovery Radio. It's the revelation that I have had. And I've talked a lot about trauma over the years. It's something that I talked about in the early stages of my work in doing research on Parkinson's because I identified that as a key factor. I now believe that more than ever. But I also believe that most people do not acknowledge and do not accept the impact of trauma on creating their symptoms. So I'm here to, can I use the word, beg you to at least entertain the impact that trauma has had in your life, to acknowledge its impact. When we are child, any minor kind of an event can have a huge impact on creating trauma in our body. So you might think back as a child, well, my mother was never mean to me. Well, maybe not, but was your mother even present for you? Were you connected to your mother? Did you feel as though there was a bond with your mother? If not, that in itself is a traumatic experience. So I could spend the rest of the week, if not the month, giving example after example of situations that I've learned about and heard about in people's lives who currently experience symptoms of Parkinson's that are examples of horrifying traumas. Some of them are not as horrifying, but when you really hear about them, you can see that if they occurred in childhood that a child would be severely affected. So, yes, we do get over physical accidents. Yes, we do get over the death of loved ones eventually. But don't think for a minute that unless we set the intention to release that trauma that it it, it basically has dissolved and it's over with. It's not. So when you think about fast traumas, realize that if you are still finding you have feelings that are unpleasant about things that have happened in your life, if you still have high levels of anxiety, if you find you are still stressed out, if you find you are triggered by certain kinds of little events like somebody perhaps looked at you in a certain way and you found you really got angry or upset, well, there's a trauma that's embedded there that needs to be released. That is an emotional reaction that other people would not have. That's why, my friends, it is so, so important to take the release of traumas so seriously. It has a profound impact on symptoms. No, when you begin to do the release of trauma work, you're not going to see an immediate release of the symptoms. You might see some release. You might see that symptoms get even worse, more exaggerated. That's a good sign. It's a good sign that the body is really getting to work to release the trauma. And I think that's why a lot of people stop the work. So they begin to set the intention to release the trauma. They're really concerned about their tremor. And then when they begin to do the work, let's say you're doing the free crash course exercises and then after you launch a 10-minute exercise of breath work, or perhaps you've decided to do EFT, emotional freedom technique tapping, or perhaps you've decided to do a little uh, shaking in your body, all of a sudden you see, oh, heavens, I just did this 10 minutes, and look, my tremor is worse. Well, that made me worse. No, 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 no. What it did was it it set into motion the body's ability to release the trauma that's trapped at the cellular level. So welcome that. If your body needs to gyrate, shake, rattle, and roll, then let it do so. That means that your body is doing exactly what it needs to release the trauma. Many of you may be familiar with the amazing pioneer, Dr. John Coleman, who's a naturopath doctor in Australia. John He was one of the first people who basically had some very debilitating symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease in the mid-90s, and decided he was going to figure out ways to reverse all of his symptoms. What he reports in interviews I've had with him is it took him three and a half, four years to be successful. And toward the end, just before he found a full reversal, his symptoms began to get much, much worse. He said his tremor was just beginning to just go off the charts. I mean, it was, never had been so bad. But he stuck with the work and setting the intention to release the trauma. And then what John reports is all of a sudden, one day, the tremor was gone. In other words, all the traumas had finally been released. That's his experience. And so as you move into this, what you may find is that all of a sudden, and and I'm just giving the example of a tremor. We could give an example of any of the other symptoms as well. It may be that all of a sudden it gets worse. Well, don't think for a minute that that means that what you're doing is making it worse. What's happening is the body has to shake, rattle, and roll sometimes to be able to get all of the trauma that's embedded at the cellular level out. So let your body do what it needs to do. Your body has the wisdom to make all of this possible for you. So, in the end, that's the secret that I promised to reveal on my program today. That's the roadblock. That's the showstopper for people. That, my friends, is why more people have not succeeded in completely reversing the symptoms that they experienced. Some people have. We've documented some of their stories, many other stories I haven't been able to document because people didn't really want to make them public. So we've got wonderful reports of people who've been successful. But in each case, the person who's been successful has found a technique or a therapy or a set of therapies that are directed toward helping them find ways to release the traumas they've experienced in their life. I don't know of any, ex- well, I do know of a few exceptions that were basically tied to some infections that were wind- that wound up being the issue. Um, and so, for example, Candida can sometimes, once you clear that, can result in a pretty immediate uh, uh, relief. So there are many, many different factors and many, many different reasons. For some people, no, trauma is not at the top of the list. But for most, what I'm saying to you today is My research finding is for most people, not all, for most people, trauma is really where it is at. So do some self-exploration. Ask yourself, is this the issue for me? If so, realize you've got some support resources available through the free Crash Jumpstart to Recovery course that I spent enormous months in being able to build and support and create for you. And then there's also the Alderbrook Jumpstart to Recovery live event where people are convening from across the country and other countries as well to be able to set the intention to see how trauma can be released, and to learn more about the skills and the tools that will facilitate a release over the course of your entire lifetime, so it's an honor and a privilege uh, to be here with you today. if you'd like to be able to learn more about the Alderbrook Jumpstart to Recovery program, that website is www and i'll say it first jumpstart parkinson's recovery dot c o m so the first word is jump start j u m p s t a r t dot p a r k i n s o n s R E C O V E R Y dot C O M and I'll say it again. It's w dot jump start dot Parkinson's recovery dot C O M. Don't forget, too, that if you go to the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com, that is the portal to all the other many websites that we uh, sustain and provide and support and subsidize that provide information that you'll find to be useful in exploring ways that really will provide you with ways to get relief from your symptoms. That's been the work. That's what we've done. That's what we've been documenting. It's all available. It's all there for you for the taking. So please do just that. I want to thank each of you for taking the time to connect with me today on this show where we have explored the amazing ways that people have succeeded in being able to find relief from the symptoms that they currently experience. And, folks... This is Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery, and that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you've connected in here and listened to this show today, that you too indeed are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week.